Welcome to How to Be a Humane Leader Without Losing Your Job. In this podcast, we dive into compassionate leadership in today's fast-paced business environment. With our experience and insights, we'll help you lead with heart while securing your career. Join us for engaging conversations and practical advice to elevate your leadership skills and make a real difference. I'm your host, Chris Holerking, a Fortune 100 IT leader, alongside Roberto Torres, a seasoned startup engineering leader. Today, we will discuss how to be a humane leader in deciding how much effort to invest in developing our team members' behaviors versus allowing them to develop them on their own. Hey, Roberto, how you doing? I've been fine. Thank you very much. How about you? I'm, I'm doing good. It's, uh, it's busy here in Tennessee. Fall, leaves are falling. It's crisp. It's nice out. How's the weather back by you? Totally weird. We had last weekend, we were as hot as the summer instead of fall. So that's it. Amen. Who can predict? Well, changing behaviors. I'll tell you, you know, out of anything that you're going to do as a humane leader, um, behavioral things are probably the most difficult things to change in ourselves and others. I, I, I feel I have a very strong position on this. Um, I do think we need to try and change team members' behaviors, in my opinion, um, as our own, right? Part of this podcast is about us changing our behaviors to be more humane leaders. But I do believe, personally, we need to invest in changing uh, folks to because sometimes you know, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you know, I can think about people coaching me on my behaviors. Sometimes when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we don't we don't see ourselves the way everybody else does. And a good humane leader helps reflect to their employees how the outside world is seeing them. And then that employee, though, does need to make the decision to accept some of that feedback to decide to change. And it isn't something you're going to change overnight, but I, I'm, I very strongly believe that that everyone can be more humane to each other in the workplace with some good coaching. So what, what do you think, of Roberto? Well, I think, first of all, that change is something that it, it is really difficult to apply, to acknowledge and to apply. And it, that doesn't mean that it's going to be only in a one way. It has to be in a, in a two ways. And what I meant by this, it is from us, because we are leaders, to our reports, as well as maybe uh, our reports will tell, you, will tell us something. And the other layer, it, it is from our managers to ourselves. So I think it's an endless loop. But the the most important thing is is people are people willing to change because when we tell someone, hey, you're required to change because maybe you ain't that friendly with the team, but his productivity is way to the roof. How could we uh, balance that? Mentioning, hey, you have to be this way, and maybe that person understands and acknowledges that he he's not cool maybe with the team he's not bonding but he really knows that his productivity is really really high so i think it is a constant challenge maybe yeah no no i i would agree and you need a very 
special relationship with uh, whether it's your boss or your peer or your team member to have that conversation about behaviors because you know developing technical skills or, or coaching somebody to improve those things i think people don't take it personally but behaviors are a very personal thing so you need to be a special kind of humane leader to approach those folks and you're going to need to develop a trusting relationship so that they can hear the feedback, not as criticism, but they hear the feedback as a way to improve, uh, to be more successful in the future. So if you don't you know, invest the time in making that relationship before the feedback is given, I, I do think that sometimes you need to wait a bit to give that feedback. So if, if it's your first day on the job as the leader, and somebody comes to you and says, hey, team member X is, is being a real jerk and you need to work on their behaviors. It's probably not something I'm going to work on that first week that I'm there as the new leader. Because you do have to have a, a bit of a relationship and you need to see some of it with your own eyes because you want to be able to give feedback that you believe in as a humane leader. Um, one of the things that we had where I worked was something called 360 feedback. It didn't always work. But basically, you could request anonymous feedback as long as you send it. I'm going to try and remember here, but I think you had to send it to at least seven people. Uh, might have been more than that. And at least five people had to respond. So it would be anonymous enough that you wouldn't know who the feedback was coming from. So you could actually seek out feedback. And if you picked good people who cared enough about you that would be honest, and, and give you some things, you could actually get feedback on what, you know, you might need to work on yourself. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's, it's a very special type of development work that I think as a leader, you need to have a very strong relationship to start on it with someone. And you as the person who's receiving the feedback, and you could be a humane leader getting, receiving the feedback yourself, you have to be open to listen to others' opinions. Because one thing I would always say in performance reviews is when we're going to talk about behaviors, it's opinions. It's not facts like, did you technically finish something on a certain date? Behaviors can be very subjective. So I would always preface it with, look, here's an opinion. You can take it or leave it. But here's an opinion about how others see you when you're public speaking, when you're in a team meeting and you're not answering questions or you're being angry towards someone who's challenging your suggestion. It's just an opinion, it's point of view, but just keep in mind, person X, that several of the team members offered me their opinion that they felt you were being too aggressive about defending uh, your decision or your opinion on something. So, you know, I, I, I think it's, critical that us as humane leaders try and help coach people, but be careful how you do it. Yes, and one thing is adding to that, it is that it, it hurts when someone tells you that you are wrong or you're not in, in the proper path, it hurts because uh, it, it gets you uh, deeply into you. So you think maybe that you're doing the, uh, the proper stuff, the, the cool stuff, and it hurts. So instead 
of, uh, I, I don't say, excuse me, I don't say that it won't hurt. I think that you have to accept it, try to be as objective as possible, and listen. Maybe it is like this, uh, 4X listen to 1X talking. And when you have this one, you could maybe settle down, maybe you could uh, chill, chill off, and uh, be prepared to receive uh, that feedback because, you know, we've been in, into that position, regardless if we were leaders or not. And I will go maybe to we were, when we were children our, and when our parents told us something that we thought it was right, it was right, but it wasn't. So right now in the work life, we have to be, we have to have, yes, indeed an open mind, but since it is a, a maybe a difficult stuff because as we grow older, maybe we're sticking, you know, we're hardening our thoughts about what it is good and what it, it isn't. I think uh, that maybe we had to do a uh, an exercise in a, an introspection of ourselves. Did we do it right? We did it, but we had to be really honest to ourselves because we could lie to ourselves so easily and maybe make excuses about saying, no, this person, this God, they are wrong. I'm right. No, you have to go because it will be in the proper path to become someone better, you know? Oh, I, I completely agree. It's kind of that Zen of reflection, right? You have to decide, you know what, I'm going to hear this feedback, even if it might be painful. And then you decide what kind of actions you're going to take on it. One, one of the common things I would do in performance reviews, again, in reminding folks to listen, this feedback is on behaviors. It is an opinion. You can choose to listen to it, reflect on it, and potentially take action, or you can listen to it and discount it. That's totally up to you, you know, as I'm giving the performance feedback. I explain to them, look, I understand what I'm about to tell you might be a bit painful, but please take it in the manner in which it's intended. It's intended to help you become a better employee and be more successful in the future. So as long as the feedback you're giving, you phrase it in such a way that your intention is positive, your intention is to help the person, whether it's above you, a peer, or someone who's working for you, the intention is to improve them for future growth, future success. If you're doing it with that as an intent, you can't go wrong. Now, the person may not accept it. They may reject it and say, no, you're totally wrong. That, that's also their opinion and they are welcome to it. They can decide to take that feedback and say, I'm not changing a thing. But next year's performance review, when they don't get the promotion that they wanted and they, and they have to hear and listen to, well, part of the reason was we've got multiple feedbacks from bosses, middle managers, you know, peers that all say that you're not open to other people's suggestions and you don't listen enough to their suggestions before discounting them. 
That's part of the reason why you didn't get the promotion, because a leader has to be well-rounded and listen to all angles of the arguments. You know, it's those kinds of things that if you phrase things properly, you take into account that the person may or may not choose to listen to the feedback, but at least they've heard it. And then unfortunately, you may have to give them some bad news later on if they chose to ignore it, that maybe their performance is not what you expect. And of course, obviously, in the worst cases, the very worst cases of performance feedback and, and coaching for success, in the very worst cases, it could lead to the end of somebody's job if they're really a bad behavior team member. I mean, it could get that bad. Hopefully it doesn't. It didn't very often in my career. Thankfully, I didn't have to um, uh, pull that trigger out on very many people over my career, but, you know, recognize that sometimes you will not be a successful humane leader. You may be given the best feedback and you may be the best coach on the planet, but sometimes the person just refuses to acknowledge that feedback and refuses to take action. Yeah, yeah. Um, something that you mentioned that is really important, but I will have to add something. You mentioned uh, performance reviews and you mentioned productivity, and it's totally uh, true and clear about it. We are uh, we are measured by our performance, regardless of the position that we have. But something that is really important also are soft skills because someone could be really high in productivity or could could be in the track of being that. But people, if you see a human, anyone or any individual, they have soft skills within. They might have uh, stronger ones or they might have weaker ones. And the thing is, let's say, for example, uh, teamwork. When you're in a team, you must try to uh, be in that team, you know, as a member, as a link. But if you, maybe you're not in a leadership position, but you try to give orders and people doesn't recognize you, maybe there is a problem within you. So I think also that we as human leaders have to recognize which soft skills this person has and which ones have a lack of, maybe uh, they don't have, I don't know, maybe negotiation. Should we print those, print that into that person or not? Uh, maybe they don't have resilience, which is something really common in people who get angry most of the time, or maybe not not most of the time, but in certain situations where uh, maybe uh, people will get uh, frustration, and you have to teach them uh, tolerance to frustration. Why? Because it didn't work out as they thought it would be. Communication is always uh, something that it has to uh, it has to be required. So I think if we could manage to learn and see uh, an objective uh, map of these persons, uh, it, it will allow us to fully understand. And when I meant map, I meant anthropologist map. An anthropologist 
what it does is it goes to a community and says, I'm going to learn about the person, their interactions, what they do, what they don't. So if we go with our, let's say, a, a report and we do that, we can see the strengths, the weaknesses, uh, uh, the um, opportunities and uh, threats, you know, and with that we could see if that person, what it requires, how could we help this person? And with that, the productivity will begin rising. I think it is a, it is an excellent tool. I always do it, always at every startup that I get in to understand because we don't know. We only talk during the interview. But with that, I could act. So having a, um, a constant uh, understanding of that person will allow us to help them, not, not help them, to support them, to guide them. But if that person doesn't want to be neither help, support, or guided, then we we must do what, what you told me. Yeah, and, and I think that we have as leaders, and so I'll use it where we're, we're, we're being humane leaders, and I'm gonna talk about our direct reports in this example. But let's suppose we have five or six critical behaviors that we are monitoring, our soft skill behaviors. And we look at our employees and we give them 10 points for somebody who's really an expert at public speaking and, and, and sensing the crowd's relationship, you know, and 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 one is really terrible. They they just have no personal sense of how others are reacting to their speech at all. Well, I think that in many cases you can coach somebody who is a one or a two and you might get them to a four or a five, you know, a good average level of that soft skill. And you might be able to take somebody who's a five and push into a seven or eight or a nine. But, you know, part of it is what do they want to be? So I, I had a tendency when I would look at my whole team and kind of evaluate their soft skills and, and kind of decide where their strengths and weaknesses were, I would generally try and do the things that would hurt, find the things that would hurt them the most. So somewhere where they have a soft skill that's a one, two or a three and try and get that up to average. I usually didn't spend a ton of time with people who had, let's say five or six level soft skills and try and get them to be an expert at 10. If they wanted that, like let's say they wanted to be a leader where public speaking was really critical and they were a five currently. If that's really what they wanted, then I would invest some time in coaching to help them get up to a nine or a 10. But for me, the best return in getting a, a team that cooperates and is very productive, I found that if you work on the behaviors that are the, the biggest problems, shall we say, or the, where they have the least amount of skills and you can get them up to kind of that middle grade, that kind of score of five out of 10, that's where the sweet spot is Again, as long as they're willing to accept the feedback and accept change and work at it, that's really where you want to, you know, work to get it. Because I, it's pretty rare if you're going to take somebody who's a one or a two at some soft skill like listening, and get them to be a ten. That's it's probably not going to happen. If they were a one or a two when when you hired them, they're not suddenly or even over ten years probably going to become a ten and be the perfect listener. So, you know. 
you got to, as a leader, judge how much time you're going to invest in each employee. Where are you going to focus? You only have a certain amount of time. I, I, I think that, again, I believe strongly that behaviors can be coached and improved. I think some of it is just natural. There are some people who are natural listeners. Some people are natural public speakers. But I would I would invest my time in taking some of those folks, like you're saying, where they, they are most challenged and, and try and get them to be average than trying to take somebody who's average at something and get them to be 10 number one, in my opinion. No, no, I, and I totally agree with you. You cannot take them by the hand and all that uh, and go from one to 10. Uh, you have to set them on track, you know, they must do what they think it's right because uh, we are all different and we, we don't know if that uh, person is going is will is going to have that willingness to go further. We must do what we require to do today. But we set the foundations maybe for them to understand and maybe begin growing in the ladder. You know, and there are one right now, maybe there will three and maybe in 10 years time, there will be a nine. We don't know that, but uh, it's, I, I think it's uh, maybe like, a, <clears throat> excuse me, like a responsibility today to set them on track, but it is not a responsibility, not neither an obligation to take them by the hand and, if, and um, and go with them all the way. It's up to them. And for that, let me tell you, I think that we all require not to be square, and you know what I meant, but as a tube, and what I meant as a tube is, we cannot only be in a, in a two-dimensional uh, um, uh, square, you know, that we only have our vision and our view uh, limited. We have to be open-minded like a tube because we can see different layers, different dimensions of everything. Hey, people, my leader is asking me to, to be more cohesive with my teams. What am I doing? I'm not, I'm, I think that I'm not doing uh, the correct stuff. So I begin interacting with my other team members and I see that I'm not productive or that there is no a bonding between them. Oh, maybe I will change. But in order for me to change, I had to abide that change is good for me, for my team, for everyone else. People won't, won't think the same as I do. So I think that even though this is a um, pretty uh, hard charge, to uh, overcome it to be doable. If we do it, if we accept, it's going to be much easier, you know? And uh, if we do it, maybe maybe we will grow. And I, and I do believe that the, this aspect of humane leadership is one of those things where you really learn it well when you actually have problems to address. I, I think you could read a lot of books about coaching people to be better at soft skills or learning soft skills yourself, but until you encounter 
the actual problem, like you have a team member that that, that just won't listen, that has zero listening skills, you, you know, you really kind of learn these things by the heat of the fire and have a problem. So um, don't try and find problems in your team that don't exist so you can practice, you know, coaching on listening skills. Um, but usually in, in every team, there's at least somebody who needs some improvements on some soft skills. And so think about that. Think about who you're going to help, how you're going to coach them, how open they are to hearing the feedback that you're going to give. And those are the people that you'll be most successful in, in helping improve. Okay, okay great. Um, there's so much to talk about this, but we have to do the, the wrap up, please. Absolutely. Well, listen, thanks for joining us on another episode of How to Be a Humane Leader Without Losing Your Job. We hope our insights help you become a smarter and more strategic leader. Apply today's lessons to see the positive impact on your team and career. Catch all our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. Join us next week as we discuss something trendy in the leadership world. Until then, stay safe, humane, and successful. Bye-bye.